Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Irish tourism chiefs have said the EU plans to unveil a common COVID-19 travel certificate. Uh, This is, I suppose, the passport they've been talking about, uh, which will offer a lifeline to tens of thousands of Irish jobs. And the European Commission has proposed the introduction of the coronavirus passes to let 450 million residents travel freely across the 27-nation block by the summer. Now, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, so don't pin your hopes on it. Taoiseach Micheál Martin said Ireland will take a cautious approach to the vaccine passport. And on the line to talk to me more about this is Owen Curry, who's a travel expert. Owen kind of good news, but very cautiously we're approaching this good news, I suppose. Yeah, we have a few uh, checks and balances to get through before it becomes a reality. But uh, let's look at the good news. It, it's been amazing that they got this through so quickly. Uh, European Commission talked about it. IASA had looked at 11 different models. Uh, by Christmas, they had it narrowed down to four or five. By January, uh, they were trialling Emirates and Etihad with the first airlines to try it. An air uh, of test flight arrived to Heathrow from Singapore uh, last uh, yesterday, I think it was, and um, all the passengers on board had it. And the EU Commission now say they've agreed it. The real problem is what happens next. But I suppose there was a kind of this, as Boris Johnson mentioned, and also Michael Mart mentioned, the civil liberties issue around this, of course, is in relation to vaccines, that there are people who don't want to get the vaccine, there are people who can't get the vaccine. And so there's three options in this, from what I believe. So either A, you have a vaccine certificate, B, you've already had a negative test in the last 72 hours, and the final one is that you have an antibody test to show that you've already had COVID-19 and hence can't catch it again, uh, because that would be the theory. So these are the, 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 for the digital green certificate, these are the, I suppose, the do's and don'ts, aren't they? Yeah, there are less three options than that's the information that can that they've agreed can be stored. It's going to be a bit like uh, the QR code that you use to uh, open a barrier or in, so, in some places, and very like the boarding pass that we have, the digital boarding pass. The real crux of what the European Commission said yesterday in terms of civil liberties is that we have an inalien right of movement within the European Union, and this does not affect it. So while we have this new digital green certificate, it cannot be used to deny someone entry. Uh, can it be deny, used to deny boarding? That's one for the lawyers, because uh, aviation rules will be slightly different from state rules. And we could have a situation where a lot of people, airlines end up enforcing things uh, rather than the states. And it's much more difficult to argue with someone at a check-in desk than our, uh, a boarding gate even uh, now in these digital days. Than so where, where are we when it comes to transatlantic? The EU, that's fine. But the transatlantic option, for example, I know Qantas had said some time ago that they were going to be insisting on having a vaccine uh, before you get on their, their, their planes. Now, I, I don't know what the update on that is. They had said this some time ago. I mean, will the airlines be allowed as private industries, I suppose, apart from anything else, will they be allowed to turn around and say, we do not get on airplanes unless you have a vaccine? That's where the, that's uh, one of the unanswered questions. You don't have to go transatlantic. Britain is outside the European Union, so it puts us in a difficult situation. Um, the good news on the non-EU, the European Commission can only speak for the European Union. The good news is that the um, aviation body, IATA, that's sort of the overall international, the FIFA of aviation, they are 
pushing this very, very hard, and they're in negotiations with everybody. Uh, obviously, Alan Joyce uh, said it very early in the game that he Qantas international flights would need somebody with uh, uh, with some sort of proof. Who, of ironically, is Irish, by the way. Can I point out? He, well, he seems talent. to be. Yeah, a good, a good, a good talent man. He wouldn't be seen in those nightclubs in the north side. No, 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 no. You might have picked. You might have met. Him he was over there, in Colgos. Club <laughs> 92 or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Alan um, said he, he was one of the first and he started the debate, but he's a former president of IATA. Uh, there's another Irishman just made president, Willie Walsh, and he is from the North Side. He's from Glasnevin, so he might have known those nightclubs. But he's, um, uh, IATA will... So uh, Willie was with Aer Lingus and then he was with British Airways as well, wasn't he? That's it, that's the man. Mm. He yeah. started, he, he applied um, during the postal strike, I think, uh, they the, the vacancy came up and he persuaded Aer Lingus, even though he'd never put in an application, that his application had got lost in the post. And then became the main man who turned around Aer Lingus and then <laughs> the uh, did the same on British Airways. Airways. when it was going bankrupt. That, that's right, I remember that, yeah. Okay, but where does this put people now? Because people are looking online now. There's a, uh, there's a whole lot of kind of can we or can we not go? Will we be able to go to Greece in August or July, end of July or whatever? People don't know. There doesn't seem any clear you know, pathway as for Michal Martin. Now, in Britain, they seem to have a pathway with dates and everything else. Even Northern Ireland, the executive the other day, suggested dates uh, for reopening of society with no going back, so to speak. But Michal Martin has been extremely cautious and been criticised over this. So... When people are going online now to Ryanair or Aer Lingus or whatever, they're saying, will I book this for August? Do you think I'll be able to go? So do you think, in, in your opinion, Owen, do you think, because the cases have plateaued, it doesn't seem to be going down, but it doesn't seem to be going up. If we still have cases by April, are we back to square one again? Do you think that we're, we're going to be able to book the holidays? Are we wasting our time for the third time in a row for a lot of people, you know, getting a voucher because your flight has been cancelled again? I mean, will it be worth your while going online today and booking a holiday to Greece in August? We need a couple of things to happen, but one of the things that has really astonished me is how negative the debate on international travel is. It's not a vector, and we are, our rates are going in the right direction. You just said the ECDC in the last 20 minutes re, uh, released the rates for all of Europe. We're in the back in the bottom five where we were uh, back in September. Before we, you know, that, what, what changed everybody's mind was that craziness that happened in January. We went from 100,000 overall to 200,000 overall cases. Mm. And they, you know, international travel became the first, the default position to blame that. Well, I, I believe now, that was a distraction more than anything else, to be honest well, with you. It could be, but the, the, the aviation industry kept their nerve and we have a beautiful inventory. We have new routes out of Dublin. We have four new routes out of Dublin, for instance, this summer that hadn't flown before, even in 2019. So the aviation industry is ready to go. Uh, the European Commission is doing its work on the vaccination passport. International aviation safety is what they do because uh, you know whatever about uh, people people will say they're cavalier with uh, passengers and that they're only interested in making money they were very early in the game to bring in masking HEPA filters all of that and then don't want their staff they're not going to have inf- uh, their cabin crew uh, put in danger so they're all ready to roll yeah but they can't limit the numbers Owen either you know this idea of limiting the numbers to one in every three seats that's not going to make any financial sense for the aviation industry. I mean, at the moment, I know they're doing it just to keep the planes in the sky, but that long term, that doesn't make financial sense. No, they're not. Well, they're not. No, they earlier that debate finished uh, back in July when they reckoned that there was absolutely no 
uh, advantage in uh, keeping middle seats clear. Now, some countries did it largely for optics and some airlines did it largely for optics. And I noticed special fares being introduced by some of the airlines um, in Europe, not the two major Irish ones, mm. where you give you buy the middle seats at a reduced cost. There'd probably be a, be a bit of that. That's really reassuring the passenger. But they have put the inventory in place. What we need, what needs, we need to see where the debate in Ireland goes. And the medical authorities are very firmly against international travel. Very, very firmly against prohibition. Is it time the well? In saying that, Owen, is it time the Irish government, you know, got a set of you know whaties and said, well, okay, Neffet, you're here to give us advice on the health aspects of it. You've been wrong on many occasions. You've been right on some occasions. Um, it's time now for the government to make decisions in the interest of the country because we can't keep doing this forever because even the WHO themselves said lockdown should not be the primary, um, I suppose, tool or in the armoury when it comes to COVID-19 because if it was the case that we were to listen to Neffet all the time, we'd never leave the country. And and I don't know whether, Owen, you believe, for example, the, the green pass or green certificate or green passport, whatever you want to call it, do you think that's a long-term thing? Do you think that's going to remain there for forever? Is that is that going to be it forever, do you think? It could be. I mean, the aviation industry didn't like it when uh, liquids were banned. It caused havoc in airports. Uh, shoes had to be taken off going through security. Um, when they, 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 they play, to use the sporting parlance, they play what's in front of them. Uh, when they're presented with these options, they will uh, settle down and do it. We do have... Uh, a precedent for this, the yellow fever um, passport that we all carry when they're really important for land borders. If you're crossing a land border in Africa, but also for flying to, through, through Africa, that's pretty much accepted now that everybody who's passing into certain countries is going to need one of those. So it could well be that this is here for the, in the long term, particularly if COVID uh, doesn't go away and it retains that the the thing that scares everyone, the thing that scares everyone is how infectious it is. It's potato blight or phylloxera levels of infection. You know, that's something that the medical authorities are dealing with. The World Health Organization, by the way, is quite clear. Keep borders open. Closing borders, they say, as happened with Ebola, can actually make the situation worse. But they, they have been very careful to say every authority, every country makes their own decisions and uh, stick to what you think is best for your own country. They're not going to openly criticise, but the general theme is that... Um, well, they know, have they have that. actually said that lockdowns are not the answer. They, they've they emphatically said that on a number of occasions, and that shouldn't be the primary method uh, of, you know, yeah, of containing the virus, but, which is know. not what Ireland is not listening there when it comes to that. But just, just finally, in relation to, I suppose, going right, so you book your holidays, you know, let's say you're not on the, the category yet for getting your vaccine, because as we can see, the way the vaccines have been rolled out in this country, some people might be next year, particularly younger people. Um, and then you get to your, you know, the airport or whatever, or you're 72 hours before the airport, you do your test and you get a positive result, even though you have no symptoms. So do, is that going to increase holiday insurance? Because holiday insurance obviously will have to insure you against these kind of things because you don't know if you're going to get COVID or get a positive test before you get onto a plane. So is that going to have a massive effect now on travel insurance? And will the travel insurance cover it? Some of the travel insurance policies have... have uh, started introducing you for infections against COVID when you're away. Um, they're very in the very early days of this, but it's interesting to see them pop up on some policies. But the whole system has collapsed in the shambles. For instance, you know, you, you, you need a PCR test flying to Ireland and you need a PCR test flying flying back. From, 
from Ireland uh, to other countries. When you're returning, you don't need to, to go to all countries, but a lot yeah, of I, countries I'm, demand it. I was wondering um, about that. Oh, let's say I go to Spain and I get a PCR test, <clears throat> pardon me, and I go to Spain. Oh, now we're into it, yeah. And, and while I'm in Spain, for some strange reason, I happen to meet up with somebody. Now I have no symptoms or anything like that. And I go and get my test to go home again two days before I go home. And I come up COVID positive. Am I allowed onto a plane or do I have to stay there for 14 days? No, you have to stay and you're not allowed on and we have huge problems. So, uh, so that, the, that incurs a cost that travel insurance will have to cover, won't it? Um, you, well, <laughs> not, they're, not, they're not covering COVID, the, the commoner guard and the cheap policies that we all know. Right. Um, so, you know, there, there are so your standard policy won't cover that. You'll have to get one with an extra few. So this is going to be an expensive hobby for people going on holidays, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, you've know, you know, you touched on a huge issue here. People have got the test turned up at the airport, someone looks at their papers and says, that's not good enough, you're not getting on the flight anyway. And the getting the test, try getting a test to fly out of the country at the moment. It's really nearly impossible. It's €149 in in cost, which is one of the most expensive in Europe, but even getting it is a drama. Why why can't they just move to the antigen tested and do it there and then, you know, set up some sort of thing in the car park where people can pass through five minutes or ten minutes, whatever it is, you know, for an antigen test, which is allegedly 97% accurate. Would that not be the best way to deal with this rather than having people doing it 72 hours beforehand and then they go out and they meet a load of people after the test? That's so retro now. You're talking about last October, antigen tests were all the rage. A lot of countries, that's what they require. Like Germany still only requires an antigen test. The USA, uh, although they've delayed the reopening, say they'll only oh, yeah, need that's an antigen thing. test. Yeah. But the Spain, Spain and Portugal, which are the big ones out of Ireland, uh, PCR tests required. Now, they could be dropped by the region. and It's very important to think regionally especially when there's this whack-a-mole going on around Europe where regions go into lockdown like Paris did yesterday and then, you know, it gets under control and then it's released again and the next region over. So it's important to think regionally in this and some countries are better. Germany's a good example of handling it by region. You look at some of the restrictions on Irish people flying out. They're different for Connacht and Munster than they are for Dublin or for the, you know, it's because... I know, I get what you mean. And, and, and also well, the problem is now people have lost confidence in going too. Now you have it. Yeah, and, the, the, you know, we have to build back up people's confidence in travelling abroad it, again because that's it, that's a problem, isn't like it? It's like our first flight again, Niall. It's like we're, we're all kids and, we're you know, we've never been... And we'll I'll go in the morning, by the way, if somebody wants time. to give me a holiday, I'll go and, in the morning. Uh, <laughs> what's it going to be like? What's it wearing, wearing a mask on a two-hour flight to Spain? Okay, but four hours to the Canary Islands wearing or, a mask. Or nine what's hours to America. Like? <laughs> and what's it going to be like when we get there? What's going to be open? So it's all that exploring. So it's not really the health authorities or the airlines will decide. It is the um, consumer when they get their Absolutely. back. Okay, and, sorry, and one or two, yeah. sorry to rush you, one or two last questions. Okay, I have loads of people texting in different things, by the way. Somebody says here, I was on a flight from Spain in January with Ryanair for essential reasons. I'm glad you pointed that out. I'm sure it wasn't. Anyway, and both flights were packed, no empty seats. Somebody else says, now, could you ask on Corey, does he know if any airline are looking uh, to fly from Dublin to Newfoundland this summer? Paul from Martin? I don't know. Why would you want to go to Newfoundland anyway, Paul? Oh, it's a beautiful place. Oh, well, no, I'm That's sure it is, yeah. We sure used to have direct flights. We used to have direct flights. Um, um, uh, it's, it's to Halifax and to St. John's, but it's unlikely they'll be back because Canada is a fairly strict lockdown policy. We lost our direct flight to Toronto 
Oh, and it took so long. Ago. It took so long to establish these new routes. They're just yeah. being very damaging for the airline. And the well, final question there is... Air Canada is uh, Toronto is scheduled to come back uh, about July, but I'm not sure they'll make it. Okay, the, the final question is that a lot of people texting, when can we go to America again? Now, of course, Donald Trump we, lifted the restriction, but Biden put it straight back on again as soon as he became president. So does, is there any possibility or any sign, particularly after Joe having a chat with Michal yesterday, is there any sign that, you know, Europeans will be allowed back into America in the short term? Some other countries are allowed in, Europeans are not yet. Uh, there's a very good chance that it'll be lifted, but it could be lifted suddenly. It's, I think politically, um, politicians are under pressure to clamp down on international travel because people see that as contributing to the solution. Um, what we, You can fly to America if you have a US passport at the moment, by the way. And there we have daily flights to Chicago, New York and Boston, but Irish passport holders not let in. Unless you're and, a green card holder, of course, yeah. Unless you're, and it, they're really difficult as well, even if for essential travel. I mean, people with travelling with essential travel have been turned back in Dublin airport. I know people that, you know, when uh, horses, Irish horses racing in America, the stable hands, uh, with all the correct paperwork, weren't let on board and had to go back three times. So it is very difficult. Don't even consider it unless you have uh, very copious amount when, of... When do, you, when do you guess Erling or Erlingus or whoever it is will, have, will be flying again to New York and Los Angeles and they're, Orlando? They're and at the moment, it's all, all a matter of, of opening up, but the but this is important. The schedule says they'll be back in Los Angeles and San Francisco this summer. They haven't lost that much. They lost. They pulled out Minneapolis, but they put like Hartford back again, which wouldn't be a drunk route. So all the schedule is there. What we need is the authorities to work out. Now, OK, are we getting this under control? Let's put health first. Let's not just talk all about international travel. Are we getting this under control? And will we be able to travel safely and get some sort of exit strategy? You mentioned that uh, Boris Johnson came up with an exit strategy, announced the date, Every, lots of bookings went in. We don't seem to have even have the courage, the legislators the courage, to look at an ed- exit strategy for getting travel moving again. In fact, some of the politicians have been saying the opposite lockdown for the year. I'm reminded of the coalition government in 1948. Erlingus was due to start a transatlantic service. Uh, the government changed. Uh, a coalition government led by Fine Gael came in, sold off the transatlantic flights, and it set Ireland back by about 10 years. When you have legislators following local interests rather than international ones, we could end up in a situation where we'd be slow back. Absolutely. But I don't think mm-hmm. that's going to happen. What I think will happen is uh, the, the health people will say, locally we have things down under control here. Our numbers are plummeting. If they get below 100, and if they get particularly around 70, 70 is a magic number, and I'm talking about the 14-day 100K, that's the international metric here. Once we start going under 100 and back towards 70, the politicians will be in a position to move that international travel is no longer the pariah that it once was. The airlines are ready. I don't think it was ever really the pariah that, that it once was. I mean, I think they talked about the most at one stage was 3% of cases. So I don't think no, it was ever that pariah. It's, it's less, yeah, it's less than one third of 1%. Yeah. Now it is, yes. That doesn't matter because the narrative was so negative. Politicians are going to react to well, the didn't, Well, it didn't help that you had prime time outside Dublin Airport questioning people <laughs> that they were leaving the country. But listen, thank you very much indeed, oh, Owen. I appreciate you coming on the air, all right? All right, there you go. Owen Corey, travel expert, and, uh, you know, he believes that maybe, maybe, maybe we might be at the end of the summer, although Taoiseach Michal Martin is a, a very cautious approach. Other countries seem to have a much more open approach to this.
this. But it does talk about this question of passports or green certificates, as they're calling them. And uh, do you agree with it? To get a passport, you will have to have a vaccine. You will have to have an antibody test or a 72-hour PCR test. Uh, Primarily, the vaccine will be the one, I suppose, that might get you across the board. Because you can't, as Owen said, we don't know what different airlines are going to require. Um, Now, of course, the EU is setting up, the European Commission is setting this up, this proposal. But other airlines might say, well, actually, no, we prefer a vaccine. We want a vaccine. Or other countries might say, no, you're not coming in here. Like America, for example, might turn around and say, you can't come into America unless you have a vaccine. Um, Do you think that's fair? A lot of people say it is fair. After all, you're going to a country who are trying to control their COVID-19 infections and you're going to come in there and you have no vaccine and you could infect somebody. Mind you, if they already have the vaccine in a lot of those countries, they should probably should have a lot to worry about. But still, they want to control it. So do you think it's fair that you might have to have a green passport? Or you will. There's no might about it, actually. You will have to have a green passport or green certificate. We don't know what it's going to be called yet. Um, to go. Now, Michal Martin said the development would give additional rights to some people over others, which brings into question the range of civil liberties issues. Because if you're saying that you have to have a vaccine and somebody doesn't have a vaccine yet because A, they're too young and they haven't been uh, given one yet, or they don't want one. Some people just don't want the vaccine. That's fine. That's their business. I don't agree with mandatory vaccinations. And somebody else maybe can't get a vaccine. Well, then you're discriminating, aren't you? Based on the fact that somebody has a vaccine. And that's against people's civil liberties. So the danger is, how do we approach this? So the question is, would you agree with it? Would you agree with a vaccine passport or a green certificate of some description to allow you to go on holidays to European countries? Now, we're only talking about European countries for the moment. Let me know what you think. Yes, you think it's a good idea in common sense or no? Absolutely not. No one's going to force me to produce any kind of green thing. Let me know what you think. The number's 087-188-0008. Niall, I think we should herd all the anti-vaxxers into the Phoenix Park for their summer holidays, so feck them. <laughs> I don't think they'd be too happy. Sure, wouldn't they be used to the smell of animal dung with all the scalp that they spout out? Well, no, see, here's the thing. There are anti-vaxxers and there are anti-vaxxers, if you know what I mean. There are people who have been anti-vax all their lives, and I find that bizarre. And there are people who are cautious. Uh, when it comes to this particular vaccine. And I can understand that too. And that's acceptable when you hear some of the news around at the moment. Uh, but I still would be a big promoter of vaccines. Always have. For, but somebody says, Jesus, Niall, you've changed your tune. Why are you promoting vaccines? I, well, I've always been a promoter of vaccines. If you've listened to the show for the last 10 years, uh, generally speaking, I'm not talking about just this particular vaccine. Vaccines have saved billions of lives around the world since they were developed many, many years ago, many decades ago now they have saved billions of lives so why would I be against vaccines if I see evidence that vaccine or a vaccine might be dangerous I would tell people absolutely to be cautious I would always tell people to inform themselves before they get a vaccine absolutely Um, and we should be always very cautious around them another person says hi they found a way to fake passports I'm sure they will find a way to fake this one so it comes in from Richie and Fatima so you're saying Richie people will be mass producing fake passports and fake certificates I would imagine Richie it's probably going to be done you know to an app or something like that and they're saying to a QR code of some description so there'll be a database so if you come along and you produce your fake green certificate at Dublin airport they will have a database they'll scan it sure and how would you get through they'll know it's a fake you know what I mean? Jay, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Jay? Afternoon, Niall. Good, Jay. I mean, Jay, do you agree with the idea of having a green certificate or green passport? Um, I'd be like you, Niall. Right? All my kids are vaccinated. Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah. I just, I do. This, I'm cautious of. 
I'm just wary about it. You okay, know, like, that's okay. At the end of the day, I'm that far down the list that if anything is going to go wrong, it's <laughs> going to go wrong before, before they get to you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, I mean, but, uh, and I'm, I'm not surprised that people are a little bit cautious. You know, people think oh, yeah, that it's been rushed no, no, and they think this, that, the other. Yeah. From it. So, so, you know, you've got to understand where we're coming from as people. To us, this uh, infection, or whatever you want to call it, only started last year, and now they have a vaccine. Right? So people are saying, well, we're, we're here, you know, years with such and such. Yeah, but I thought we had all clarified that. I mean, the I, re- you know, but what I'm saying is, from the layman's, that's what we were thinking. Like, they, they were the conversations we were having. And saying, yeah, but this vaccine has been worked on for eight years. Yeah, yeah we know, yeah. But see, that, and by the way, that's, that I know that. someone's at home going, well, hold on, COVID's only been around a year. Do they know about COVID? No, it's not. No, it's, it's f- been around yeah, since, since the coronavirus has been around a long time. Yeah. So they've always yeah. been working on a, you know, a magic yeah. bullet for coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, but to us, but to, to the lay person out there, it, it looks like they just came up with this. Yeah, we know they pumped all this money and every scientist walked in a happy day. So let's hope it does work. Like, I really Absolutely. wanted to work. Absolutely. You know, that way my job depends on it. Um, but, uh, no, at the end of the day, we're not going to force anybody to take it, but other countries can refuse to let you in. That's the you, problem, you know? isn't it? And that's the thing. We cannot control what happens in other countries. So, so uh, it doesn't matter you know, about your civil liberties in Ireland. If Joe Biden says you're not coming into America unless you have in. it, what can you do? Yeah. Kick and scream all you want. You think he's going to open the door and say, okay, sorry, come on in. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, you know, I think I think at this stage now, and the way it's gone, and I think we're going to have to. Nobody's going to be forced to take it. You know, nobody's going to be forced to take it. But, but you will be discriminated against if you don't. Just get used to your holidays at home. So that's that's what you're basically saying. So if you don't want to take it, don't take it. If you don't want to produce your PCR within 72 hours, don't. But you're staying at home and that's the end. You're, st- you're, you're staying here. No, I'm not sure about the EU, as that man was saying before me. That, uh, sorry, I had on. Uh, we have free travel within the EU. Yeah, okay, free yeah. movement, yeah. Well, okay, the airlines could say, no, we're not having any, because nobody wants to be sued. We live in... We live a very litigious society, yes, absolutely. Oh, let's sue everybody for anything. Oh, yeah, and you know if Johnny gets COVID on a plane, an Aer Lingus plane, that he's going to sue Aer Lingus or he's going going to sue the Spanish authorities or whatever it is. And his sisters are going to sue, and everybody related to him is going to sue. You you know that way? Everybody's just nervous. But if you want to leave, you're going to have to get it. Okay, well, just stay there for a second. Tina, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Tina? Hi, Niall. Not bad. How are you? Go well, The European Commission has proposed the introduction of a coronavirus pass, so to speak. Um, you know, so it's 450 million residents can travel freely around the Euro- around Europe. So, would you get it? The vaccine? No, I wouldn't. Absolutely okay, not. that's no. your choice. Um, I think what that man was saying there about, oh well, if if you don't get the vaccine, well then just get used to your holidays at home, and you know you can't control other countries, you know whether they let you in or not with a vaccine. Yeah, I know you can't control that, but it's absolutely completely discriminatory. Like you know, it's I can't understand how people are not seeing where this is heading. Like, you know, six, eight months ago, we were all called conspiracy theorists because we're saying this is going to happen down the road. This is what they're going to try and do. And yet here it is upon us and everybody's going, ah, well, sure, what can we do about it? Well, I don't don't ever think it was a conspiracy theory. I think we've all known for the last eight months that eventually, even before the vaccine came along, when it did come along or if it did come along, it was going to be a requirement for travel. And I think people knew that. The fact is, Niall, yeah, the the, um, virus itself has... A 98, I think, percent recovery rate for healthy people. So it's like actually, it's a lot higher than that, actually. But higher anyway, than that, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, why are they, why are they, you know, making, and it is, it's coercive control at this stage and it's discrimination. Because there, there are also another cohort of people, I said it to you before, that are out there that cannot take the vaccine. 
for, for medical reasons. And, okay? I, and I understand that. And maybe there'll be some sort of certificate from your doctor to have to say that and you will get some sort of waiver. Well, that, depends, I, that depends on your doctor's view. But they, yeah, there's a lot of people who can't take it, but there's a lot of people who will just refuse to take it. And, and Tina, that's your choice if that's what you want to do. And I, I, I respect your decision, by the way. I don't, I'm not going to... Is re- it really a choice, though? Is it really well, a well, it choice? is a choice. I mean, well, because I'm, I'm vaccine cautious. Well, let, let's be clear. I'm vaccinated. All my kids have been vaccinated. I've always been very pro-vaccinated. I, I talked about the HPV vaccine two years ago and I was very pro-HPV because I believed it saved women's lives. So I'm, I, am, I consider myself pro-vaccination. But with this vaccine, like everybody else, I'm watching the news and I'm looking at, you know, the AstraZeneca at the moment and the suspension of that vaccine and the blood clots or the suggestion that maybe there's a link between the two and all. And I'm waiting patiently to see what they're going to say this afternoon in the press conference like everybody else. Yeah, because they had a whole full three days to look into it. Yeah, and, and by the way, I, I, from my personal view, I've looked at the evidence around it that is, that is available to us in the news and online. And from what I can see, you know, people unfortunately do get blood clots. And in mm. most of the countries, with the exception of one where this has come to light, there is no more people getting blood clots than we normally get them at this time of the year or at that age anyway. So yeah, that, you're looking at the evidence available yeah. to you. That's well, well, point. okay, well, I, that's all I can do. Okay, that's all Sorry, I can no. do. Yeah, but Sorry. but but anyway, I don't want to get into that whole anti-vax or vax or whatever it is today, Tina. No, and I'm but, not but, anti-vax. No, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying you are. Labeled as anti-vax, right? Yeah, being, and I I'm, no, I'm I don't. I don't label people as anti-vax generally, right? I'm a very cautious, concerned mother. My two children have been vaccinated, and I, my one of my um, my eldest son developed something after getting the vaccine. Now, they'll never admit that, and I can't prove that, right? But But isn't that the whole problem? But isn't that the whole problem with vaccinations when we talk about, I suppose, the negative news around vaccinations? Now, we can't deny billions of lives have been saved around the world in the last God knows many decades since vaccines were developed. We've eradicated many very dangerous diseases in the world. So we can't say that vaccines are not a good thing. They are. Yes, there have been problems. Yes. That's your opinion. Well, yeah. What? It's my opinion. That's your opinion about vaccines saving the world. That's your opinion. So you you don't agree that vaccines have saved... I'm not talking about COVID vaccine. I'm talking about generally. You don't agree that vaccines have saved lives around the world. I, I, I think no, no, that no, no, the evidence that we're after being I'm, I'm, that, that's no, I've asked you a simple, there when you actually look I've at I've asked it. you a simple, just a simple question, Tina. I don't mean, I'm not trying to be rude. But do you not agree that vaccines have saved thousands of lives, billions of lives, sorry, around the world? You don't I agree. couldn't comment on all of the vaccines because I haven't had the time ah, to no, research all of them. Sorry, Noel. Yes, yeah, sorry, Jay. Um, if you want to go to Asia, you have to have all these vac- all these vaccinations. Or Thailand or whatever these places, yeah. yeah. And so you'll take it for that. But all of a sudden now people won't take this one. So what's yeah, because the it's a new vaccine. It's an mRNA vaccine. It's a messenger RNA vaccine mm-hmm. that has never, ever been rolled out before. It's a completely new Okay, and what happened, if we, if we go back a long time ago, when they developed the first vaccines, they were new vaccines too. That was a new method of vaccinating people when they introduced the first vaccines to the world. And no, the we t- hadn't got the, the internet back then. We Sorry, didn't no, have we the, hadn't in- got the internet back then. Absolutely. So people didn't get their false information. You, people got, you, you know that way. There's so much false information out there now on the internet. You can put in anything. Put in salt onto the internet and you'll have thousands of pages coming up telling you how salt's going to kill you. You'll have thousands of pages coming up telling you how salt's the, the best thing yeah, ever. If the internet is what's caused most of this. Too many people have too much time on their hands and they're jumping onto these bloody websites and the conspiracy theories are coming out and that's what it is. No, you see, there you go again. He's just trying to label everyone that has a genuine concern about oh, a new I, vaccine I as a conspiracy theorist. No, he said but he no, had I a concern. I have a concern about it. I have kids as well. But I don't want to keep, see them locked up in this country for the rest of their lives. 
And it means that they're having this, this is just another vaccine. If they go to, uh, to Asia, they have to have so many vaccines and shots inside them to get into the country. It's just another one. Niall, I sent you a link of a professor um, that actually was, he actually, uh, he, he makes the vaccines with the, the big pharmaceutical companies. I sent you that link. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen Tina, with the greatest respect, and I'm not dissing your link, or I've seen loads of links to different professors around the world and scientists who disagree with vaccines, and, and I respect their view. But I see the majority of scientists and professors around the world agree with vaccines in general because well, they've saved the debate? Why, why don't they let these people... Well, you are debating. Debate you're, you're talking I'm about it now. I'm debating, but I did just say I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm, not saying, you're, I'm not saying you're a conspiracy theorist, but I, but I am asking you to be a realist as well. Leaving COVID aside, generally in relation to vaccines, anybody who believes that vaccines haven't been a positive thing for mankind or humankind um, is delusional. Well, like I said, that's your opinion, and I. Didn't it's not. No, that's not my opinion. That's a factual statement because we have eradicated so many dangerous diseases throughout the world. Smallpox being an example, polio being an example. Certainly in the Western world, we've eradicated most of those diseases, which killed thousands, even measles killed thousands and thousands yeah, of people and, in this country. And they've also said formaldehyde was safe, and then uh, formaldehyde so- wasn't a vaccine. No, no, it's a drug, but it's, Absolutely. The, same, it's the same principle. You, everybody brings up formaldehyde, or not, it wasn't formaldehyde, it was thalidomide, but everybody brings that up. That one example, everybody brings it up. And yes, a huge mistake was made by giving that to pregnant women, without a shadow of a doubt. And sadly, we ended up with thalidomide, and many of those people, as lives were destroyed. And I, I yeah, get that. And I have a feeling but that that's, it, that's an example. You're giving me an example, one example. I can give you examples of billions of people around the world who have lives have been saved. I can give you some negative examples if you want to, because I'd be fair and impartial. Swine flu, they brought out a vaccine. Unfortunately, that vaccine had a rare side effect of people getting narcolepsy. Those people took cases to court and sued the pharmaceutical industry. But yeah, again, but again, they were rare cases and surprisingly only in certain countries, which was quite weird. So... But it didn't happen in every country. It only happened in certain countries. So again, and that vaccine, when they realised the vaccine was causing narcolepsy, or they thought that it might have a connection to narcolepsy, which was never really actually proven, it was taken off the market. Yeah, okay. And the same thing is happening there with blood clots. But no, it's not. There's no, there is no proof whatsoever at the moment that this vaccine has any connection to blood clots. It's a correlation. And they're examining that and they're investigating that correlation. What more can they do? Three days of, of examination. Yeah. Okay. But okay. But get, getting back, getting back to the original debate. The, the debate is very good because I don't have a huge amount of time. Tina, do you believe it's fair that if you want to go on a plane and travel, that you have to either have the vaccine, have a test, or sh- show that you have antibodies? You can get an antibody test to prove you've had it before. Do I don't have a problem with having an, um, a test. I don't have a problem with showing that you have antibodies. What I do have a problem with is uh, being forced to take a vaccine or you can't leave the country because of there's a medical cohort of people who cannot get, take the vaccine for medical reasons. Vaccines can and do cause uh, autoimmune triggers in people with predisposition. They have. Yes, you're right. Yeah. They can. So... Then you're left then at the... Um, the they have, by the way, have, they have put that warning out to those people who have autoimmune illnesses or who are immune compromised. And also they have mentioned that some people, and it has been a rare side effect, have had nar- what, what they call... Um, what's that? Uh, uh, that you get when you eat nuts. Oh, Allergy, yeah. Anaphylactic shock, yes. Yeah. And that has been a very rare side effect. When you look at how many jabs have been given of this particular vaccine... Uh, and they're like alone in Britain, they're nearly up to 30 million. And yet people are not dropping dead. Yeah. 
Well, let's let's just hope that you're not one of the lucky ones then, right? Well, I, I I hope not. But I'm also equally hopeful that I'm not one of the lucky ones because I am 57 who gets COVID-19 and, you know, and gets one of the very rare very rare side effects of COVID-19 and will die. Uh, and by the way, yes, I understand that the, the recovery rate of COVID-19 is very, very high. and I get that. I, I, I'm not overplaying COVID-19, but unfortunately, some people have actually died of COVID-19. I wouldn't like to be one of them either. Uh, okay, so we've got to look at the pros and the cons. Um, okay, Jay says it was inevitable. It was going to happen anyway. Yes, if you want to get it, or you want to go away on holidays, you have to get it. Tina completely disagrees with it and thinks it takes away her own liberties and freedoms to make a decision whether she wants to get a vaccine or not. Let me know what you think the number's 087-188-008. All right, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number's 087-188-008. Mark, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Mark? Not too bad. No, come here. I'm going to be calling a lick arse now for this because Why? I was going to tell you right now, you handled that last caller there unbelievably. Ah, I thanks, mean, Mark. Thanks for licking me arse, though. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that is literally how... No, I, I mean, I don't want to be rude to people who have an idea in their head and that's fine. And they they, they want to, if people don't want to take a vaccine, that's fine. That's their choice, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, equally, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there too. But that's what it is, right, Joe? I mean, you know, like if they have an idea in their head and it's, and the other guy that was on there a while ago hit, hit the nail in the head as well. It's the internet. It's this. Like I, somebody, somebody, do, like, like give me an example here. Somebody just sent a text. Now, you do realise there's dead babies in the vaccine. Now, I mean, this is the this is what you're dealing with. Can I clarify to people? There's no dead babies in the vaccine. If you actually look at the research into all vaccines, going back 50, 60, 70 years ago, uh, they use human cells to test the vaccines on. Those cells, like Guinness's, for example, would use the same little bottle of yeast they've been using for the last 100 years. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They continue to grow those cells and use those cells, which may have been taken from human embryos, going back many, many years ago uh, with well, different vaccines. I don't think it was actually used for this vaccine, but for many other vaccines. But so, by that person's logic, I mean, like, there's dead babies in the water you drink. <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly. No, God only knows it's in the water. God, well, absolutely. God only knows it's in the water you drink. By the way, that's like somebody, somebody told me years ago. No, you do realise there's mercury, don't you, in the vaccines for children? Yeah, yeah. That's it. There's more mercury in a tuna sandwich than there is in the in the vaccine. And they removed mercury from vaccines years ago. By the way, that's it's tamisterol they use nowadays. Yeah, there's 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 bullcrap in the flipping food you eat as well. Ah, uh, look. Well, ho- wasn't there horse, horse meat in the burgers last year? Yeah, you know, <laughs> okay, but Mark, getting back to the question because I've not much time. Okay, so they're basically saying that this, uh, the European Commission has proposed an introduction of a coronavirus pass so the 450 million residents of Europe can move free- freely around Europe. Now, obviously, that doesn't include outside Europe. Now, Ireland can take a bit of a stance and say, well, no, we, we'll allow you to do this, that, and the other, but sure, it all depends on other countries and other airlines and what they decide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it totally, like, I've never once thought of this from, like, you know, a business uh, business point of view. It's like, you know, I mean, like, Ireland could say, oh, yeah, we'll allow free travel for citizens. But, I mean, the airlines can stop you getting on their planes. End of story. Mm-hmm. And that is literally it. And I, you know, it's the, the way I look at these vaccine stuff. Like, I'm free to walk around by housing estates, but if I try to walk onto a building site with no safe pass, I'll be stopped. Yeah, well, you know, I, well, I don't think that's a fair analogy. There's a difference as a safe pass and getting something injected into you now. Oh, in fairness, I know, with I know, but the mentality of the airlines is that, you know, mm-hmm. they don't want someone getting onto the plane where they're putting themselves at risk. What about, what about the idea of the Green Pass being used to allow people to attend events? Say, like a gig in the Three Arena or going into a pub or a restaurant. And this was suggested by Michal Martin a while ago, by the way. That may, may mm. be the case. Do you think that discriminates against people? It kind of does, doesn't it? Mm, it's... It's tough to say. I understand the people saying you're discriminating against me because I don't want to get this vaccine, right? But I look at it from the point of view as like, 
we're saying to you, you may not be able to come in here because it may not be safe. We can't guarantee you won't get COVID-19 in here. Mm. You know, and that's the way it is. People, you know, it's like, to me, the vaccine is our way of living with COVID. It's here to stay. It's never going away. So you think this is the only way we're going to get out of this mess? I'd say it's the only way we're going to be safe. Well, well, maybe it just gives the government an excuse to get out of this mess because after that point they can say, well, look, there's nothing more we can do about this. You know, we're going to have to just live with it. But, yeah. but I mean, I'm, those people, by the way, who object to getting a vaccine, and, and ironically, I, Stephen and Balancash actually sent in a text there, but I'm going to read it out now. But I've met friends of mine who've been to places like Thailand and other places like that. And yes, they're kind of a little bit anti-vax on this whole thing and given out. Yeah. And he rightly points out vaccinations against cholera, diphtheria, hepatitis, uh, Japanese and whatever it is. Meningitis. I don't even know what that is. MMR, yeah. polio, rabies, tetanus. I mean, those kind of vaccines to travel to certain countries around the world have always been there and people never complained about them before. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I, I, I said that in text into the while ago, right? If they introduce this green passport thing, or green pass, or vaccine passport, a lot of the anti-vaxxers out there, they'll be, not, they'll be very quick to change their minds and they find out they can't go on holidays. Yeah, so you'll be in the queue tomorrow, Mark, to get it if it means going on holidays, yeah? Well, I already got the vaccine, actually. Did you? Oh, yeah, what, I yeah. Did you work in healthcare? Uh, yeah, volunteer healthcare worker. We've been brought in for the mass rollout. So what, which vaccine did you get? I got the AstraZeneca one. Okay, and we had a, well, you're still alive, thankfully. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the funny story, I was literally the second last person in the door when they, they announced it and they shut the centre. Right, okay. Second and did, Okay, person. so did you get any side effects? Did you get a pain in your arm? Uh, I got a pain in my arm. I got, you know, I got, I got a fever. I got, you know, the chills, the sweats and stuff. Um, had slight pains in my joints and stuff and everything. Jesus, um, Mark, you got quite a lot. Because a lot of people don't get... To- I mean, okay, they do say that you can get a fever the next day. And by the way, that doesn't mean everybody gets it. Can I just point that out? Yeah, I mean, I got it for, I got it, I got the jab Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. I was in bed 9 o'clock Sunday evening, kind of felt the fever come on then. Monday morning, I had fairly feverish and I was kind of thrown down. And Tuesday, I was back to normal. Okay, you know, all right, okay, yeah. but I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, because but, like, I don't, but I do know somebody who got the AstraZeneca like, as well, and they had they didn't even get a pain in their arm; they had no side effects. Yeah, like two friends of mine, like one lad, he's uh, immunocompromised, and another fella, he's fairly sick as well. But like the lad who's immunocompromised got the same kind of effects I got, and the other guy who has a long term illness said he got nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing from it. You know? yeah. Well, look, as I said, I can look at the UK as an example. Nearly 30 million today, by the way, people have been vaccinated with at least the first dose. And at this stage, and nobody is dropped dead in the UK from the vaccination. Yeah. So that's, we have to look at it from a logical point yeah. of view. Um, I said I do the, the healthcare stuff as a volunteer basis, but I, my, my main job is I work in actually, I work in complaints and adverse event reporting for a medical devices company. All right, okay. Well, then, Mark, I don't have time now, but we must talk to you more about that again in the future. Listen, Mark, thank you very much indeed for getting involved in the conversation. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic.